Hi, it's Katrina Hibbert, Frog, head coach of the Flames. Make sure you tune in on Shooting the Breeze, Fridays, 4pm. Okay, so today we've got Coach Katrina Hibbert back on the line and we're going to be talking about some of the signings for the Brydon's Lawyers Sydney Uni Flames. Frog, how are you? Um, I'm I'm very well, actually. We've, we've gotten through the feeding frenzy that was free agency and, yeah, really happy with, um, obviously, where we've got some signings and announcements happening and, um, or you know, got, got a squad of 10, so that's a positive. And we had, uh, we've had two weeks of announcements. The first week we had Lauren Mansfield and Annalie Maley announced, and this week it's been Alison Schwagmeyer-Belger. Let's talk about these first three announcements. How did you come to pick on these players? Oh, um, I think in preparation, just looking at the type of athletes that we were trying to target, um, put together a bit of a depth chart of, you know, who we wanted to go after. And, you know, once free agency had sort of been dragging on a little bit because of COVID and um, waiting on some decisions by the WNBL, sort of hit the ground running um, as of June 1st. So, um, yeah, so, you know, just um, opportunity came to to go after those athletes um, based around, you know, the type of personalities and, and players that they are and what we were looking for to add to our roster and, and build on and build on our culture with. So really lucky to get um, Lauren across from Perth. Yeah, to be able to get her and Schwagmeyer from Perth was a great get. Um, two lefties, two really hardworking players, great attitudes, um, you know, creativity and sort of crafty. And then Annalie, obviously, looking to have a bit of a breakout season, sort of after being playing for Southside and went to a championship, you know, wants to sort of go to that next level and get some court time. So... Obviously, I've had a previous relationship with her in Melbourne. She's from my junior club that I've coached at and played at. So, yeah, so that opportunity came up and she's coming to Sydney as well. Do you think having a couple of players from Perth who've worked together is going to help with integrating with the team? Yeah, for sure. I think definitely. And, you know, they're both they're looking for leadership opportunities as well. And, you know, I think that's something that was really important for us to try and build on this season was to bring in some leaders, particularly in that sort of point position. Uh, which I think is really important. So, yeah, to, to already have that instant connection and chemistry and understanding of each other's games and personalities, I think is really important. And Annalie Maley coming in, uh, obviously she's going to be having an eye on getting more court time, as you mentioned. How do you think she's going to be able to, to fit into the culture uh, coming from Southside? Oh, well, I mean, you just have to have a look at Southside. Um, you know, they went to the championship this year and we're unlucky you know, not to not to win it with the talent that they have. But so so she's been able to learn from, you know, some of the best, you know, hey, the captain of Australia, you know, Leilani Mitchell, the point guard of Australia. So she's coming from a really strong culture. She she understands what it what it takes to be successful at this level and um, you know, what's required of you as a professional athlete. So she brings a you know, a bit of youthfulness and energy and uh, uh versatility with her athleticism and, and you know, ability to rebound and get on the rim. So she sort of brings something a little bit different, um, but I also think it complements the guards that we've already signed. I'm curious to understand a little bit more about how you actually went into the decision process of selecting these players. What was the logic that you that you really went through? Well, you know, obviously it's a very different year this year. There's no import season. So we were looking at trying to find some 
older experienced players. You know, I think there's been a bit of history of injuries at Sydney, so we want to make sure we wanted to get some healthy um, athletes in as well and try and sort of break that, I guess, history over the last couple of years of injuries. So, you know, around budgetary things and COVID-19 and no imports, you know, we sat down and put together a depth chart of athletes that we want to target and then sort of it becomes a bit of a, you know, if we don't get this athlete, it's a sort of a, it's a changing um it's changing all the time. So who do you get next and what's the next option here? And if you can get this player, how's that going to complement? So it's a moving piece constantly. Um, so, you know, KD and I obviously are in um, a lot of communication during that time with agents, with athletes, um, getting a feel, having conversations, telling them what we're looking for, seeing what they're sort of looking for and seeing if it's a fit. So kind of feels like you're speed dating a little bit and particularly this year obviously it took a while for free agency to open up and um, a lot of players were on the free agency market including our own so um, there are a lot of options out there for people so we uh, just had to move quickly and just do negotiations and believe you have the team that you um, are meant to have at the end of it. Yeah that's very true I mean one of the things that probably would have uh, complicated issues for you a little bit is the fact that there's so much other change going on with the club at the moment. Did you find that with the with the relationship with the Kings, you actually had more resources to draw on when you were doing the analysis for selecting the, the squad? Uh, I wouldn't say so much this year. I think this year was still in a bit of a transitional thing. You know, I've got obviously Will, who I can talk to and, and you know, building that relationship with him. So it's the same with Karen, with Pitt, um, Chris Pongress. Um, so at this stage, I think COVID hitting, you know, the inability for us to all sit in a room together and actually nut things through together was probably a little bit harder this year. And I think it's also for them learning the women's side of the game and who the athletes are. So I think a lot of it still came back to, you know, Karen and I and our knowledge of the athletes in the league and the Australian athletes who might be still available coming back from college, from Europe. So I think um, it was probably more of a learning opportunity for them to to see how it works on the women's side. And I think the men are about to go through it on the men's side as well with the NBL um, free agency, I guess, opening in the near future. So, yeah, I think um, this year obviously was a little bit different. Next year, I think once the handover sort of happens, you'll see more opportunity for us to, to really work collaboratively together with all the resources that will be available to both teams. I think it's. Mm. I think it's going to end up being something really, really interesting to see how it develops because there's obviously a lot of a lot of basketball knowledge that each team will be able to draw on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. No, well, for sure. And you know, I've already started working with Toby, who sort of he oversees the Kings strength and conditioning uh, medical and all that. So we're working closely together to, to sort of format format our plan and how we're going to move forward and in our training and and weights, um, all those sorts of things. You know, we're working within their media department, you know, community programs. So, you know, I think, again, once sort of after July 1st, uh, you know, the opportunity around the restrictions and lockdown allows us to get back into the community. I think you'll see a lot more of Kings and Flames together. Again, it's just it's just been an unusual year, unfortunately, with COVID and um, things are a little bit slower than probably at first anticipated. At least we've got dates for the start of the season, which is always a good thing. Yeah, and, I, you know, one of the, thing, the things I think this year is it doesn't hurt for athletes to have, have a break, and I think, you know, basketball seems to be just a year-round sport. So, you know, with the leagues not happening in the NBL 1 this year in Waratah, it's given, I think, the girls physically and mentally a nice little break. It also allows us the opportunity to still bring them in pre-season in September, and instead of having, like, a one-month 
pre-season on court and sort of trying to smash it out and build culture, the season's not going to start until November. So we've got a good eight weeks to sort of build a base to work from um, and also, you know, to build the culture, build the relationships, um, to try and build that winning culture together. What's going to happen for pre-season and warm-up games? Um, has the league spoken anything around that? Uh, at this stage, I'm not, I'm not actually 100% sure. I think, you know, the league has a has several plans in place depending on how the government moves the lockdown or the restrictions around what crowd sizes are. So I think that's, again, a moving piece for them. But, yeah, like we'll, I guess, start to sit, you know, obviously Victoria has had a few outbreaks, so you don't know what's going to happen down there with the borders. But last year we went to Townsville. Um, there's another border that <laughs> is yet to open. So right now, you know, obviously I'm sure Gorry at Canberra and I will probably have some conversations about trying to get some preseason games or, you know, we'll try and find some boys to scrimmage against or, you know, we'll do something that allows us the opportunity to get a few, you know, games in before that real first game rolls around. Yeah. Maybe we'll play the Kings. Who knows? Hey, now, there's a great idea. That would be an interesting <laughs> yeah. game to watch. It would be. It would be. <laughs> you sell a lot of tickets for that one, I'm sure. Yeah, well, you know, doesn't hurt. Maybe we'll do a mixed, we'll do a mixed basketball game. Yeah, Warm that's up. it. <laughs> um, the other thing that I think some of the fans might be interested in just hearing a little bit about is just in relation to, to Colleen and Alice, how they're going with their recovery. Yeah, really well. Alice um, Alice has been back on court, obviously, um, you know, has goals and with the Olympics next year with three-on-three. Three. Um, so she's back playing basketball. She was She's just recently left Sydney to go back to Melbourne and she had signed or has signed a contract to go play in Poland next season, which is, you know, great for her. Financially, it's great. Um, Opportunity-wise, it's great. You know, obviously, we would have loved to have, for her to have stuck around, but this this was probably too good of an opportunity um, for her to pass up, and that she felt like she needed to take sort of at this time in her life with the Olympics next year as well. Yeah, she I mean, she loves Sydney and would have loved to have stayed, but yeah, like when you can sort of make some of the money that you can make in Europe and set yourself up, um, it was a great opportunity for her. So, unfortunately, she's gone back to Melbourne, but she she's probably going to come back and still do some indies, and she's been training with the Kings boys which she's thoroughly enjoyed. So she'll probably be popping up and back before she heads to Europe. Um, and then, yeah, Colleen's going back to Melbourne. But rehab-wise, Stu was really happy. He said he's, you know, she did a run on Friday and at four and a half months. He's never seen anyone after an ACL injury be able to run like that. So she's progressing well. But unfortunately, surgery didn't happen until sort of the end of Feb. So she really wouldn't be able to play until after Christmas. And so unfortunately, you know, the season's half over at that point. Yeah, and you know, she would have. She says she retires every year, but she probably. I know if she hadn't gotten injured, she would have come back for another season because, obviously, she was having a really great season with us and enjoying Sydney and um, the opportunities that she was getting up here. And unfortunately, that ACL happened, and um, I've just told her to make sure she stays fit just in case. After Christmas, you never know. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to jinx ourselves, but uh, no, exactly. Not got wood. She was looking to go back to Arizona, but. Um, I think with the current situation in America, she'll probably end up staying in Australia a little bit longer than she anticipated, but she's got some work in Melbourne and a friend that she can stay with, so she's okay. You actually just brought up an interesting point, which I hadn't really thought too much about. Given that we've got no imports, what happens if clubs need to make any changes to the roster due to injury or anything else uh, in this season? Well, we, well, I guess we just have to draw upon, well, one, you know, obviously use your bench a little bit more. Um, and then, you know, we've, we've still got development roles and positions. Or we'll just, yeah, try and be 
resourceful and, and savvy in, in kind of who might still be available. You never know what happens. There's a few athletes that are going to Europe. You still don't know what's going to happen in Europe, so that might be possibilities around that as well. But obviously, Alison's an American-Australian. She's got a um, distinguished athlete visa, so she's she's not considered an import. Our biggest thing right now is how do we get Alison back into Australia with her husband? So we're starting to work on that already in July because she'll obviously she'll have to go into lockdown uh, hotel for two weeks. And, and isolate and then obviously we want to sort of to acclimatise probably for a week before she jumps on court so we can prevent, you know, the possibility of injuries and things like that. It's kind of another another layer of complexity that, um, <laughs> to be honest, I hadn't really thought about, you know, in terms of what does happen if there's if there's roster issues. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you look at it, you look at it another way as an opportunity for Australian athletes in Australian basketball. To, to grow some depth, um, you know, there's a quite a – the Australian team's probably ageing a little bit. So you'd imagine after this Olympics and perhaps the next World Championships that there'll be a turnover of athletes out of the Australian team with new incoming athletes. So I think, you know, this year we've got to see it as an opportunity to, um, you know, develop that next tier and, and, and the depth of the Australian talent that we have. That is the one – key benefit that's going to come out of this is a lot of players who may not have had an opportunity to get a run in the WNBL because of imports and just because of you know the number of people on the roster will get a chance to to show what they can do yeah and and you know um there's a lot of athletes you know quality athletes that are returning back from college over the next few years so if anything it's you know there's nowhere to hide for a lot of athletes this year it's like You've got a great opportunity and, and you've had a good off-season to be able to work on your fundamentals and develop aspects of your game and your fitness and, um, you know, your mental part of the game, being a student of the game. So I guess it's a great opportunity to see who's taken this time to develop other areas of their game to be able to step out and take that next step and, and showcase their talent within, a, you know, against Australian athletes who they're competing for, against four positions in the Australian team without having the imports in the season, in the league. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess it separates those and that's sort of what I've said to some of our girls. It's like this is a great opportunity. It's what you want to do with it and you're the one who's got to drive it and, and want it and, and be doing the work right now to prepare yourself for when the season rolls around. It's a it's a huge opportunity for a lot of players and it'll be interesting to see how some of these players do develop over the season. And speaking of things that are developing, there's a BA initiative that's kind of fallen under the radar a little bit. There's been five coaches announced as taking part in the first elite female coach advancement program over the next yes. two years, and you're one of those five. I am. It's called FCAP because just trying to say that is quite a mouthful every time, so <laughs> we're just going to call it FCAP because <laughs> that's what it's easy to remember. As. So, yeah, really great initiative. Um, being driven by Basketball Australia to put us in a position um, as female coaches to continue to develop, um, you know, us as leaders, you know, in the coaching space, build um, relationships and have mentors and be mentors for that next generation. So really wonderful initiative um, by Basketball Australia to put us in this um, position to, to, you know, to develop and, and be, you know, that next hopefully tier of coaches that, you know, are successful and, and can and can be successful at, you know, the elite le- WNBL level, Australian level, NBL one, whatever it might be. I'm really excited by that and obviously working with um, Kristen Veal, who, you know, I've played against and we'll um, be working together with the national junior national team in the near future and 
obviously two of my former teammates, Dee Butler and Larissa Kavanagh, who have had different but successful coaching pathways. So it's nice to reconnect and um, be in the same space, not as athletes now, but as coaches um, going forward. So, yeah, it's, so we've just sort of started doing uh, – we're working with Bo Hansen. They do a disc profiling. So we're just working on being profiled right now, sort of what our behavioural traits are and recognising – you know, other people's behavioural traits and, and how do you adapt to them, um, you know, how do you coach them when they show this sort of behaviour, what what's the best way to respond to it. So, again, that leadership space of, yeah, understanding different personalities and different behaviours and, and being able to, to navigate that space as leaders. One of the things that um, I certainly have noticed with the um, AFLW is that the female coaches have pretty much disappeared from that competition. And it's not that they're, I don't think it's not that they're not being supported by the AFL, but I think being able to have programs like this where it's actually showing the community that the organising body is behind female coaches, I think is going to actually help to make sure that female coaches are more openly accepted outside the WNBL and outside the women's competition as well. You know, I think there's a lot of great female coaches out there. You know, that we have other restrictions as well. Like for me, you know, when I finished playing basketball, I never, I didn't do it for money. So I had to, when I retired, get a job. So I was obviously a teacher for eight to ten years. Um, you know, and moving into the professional space, you don't always get again the same income that you might get if you're coaching in the male space. So, so you know, you've got to pay bills and 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 things like that. So the more, I guess, the governing body does invest. Um, in, our, in us as athletes and in the sport and the sport develops, we can work in this space as professionals full-time and not have to, you know, work part-time jobs on the side, probably similar to what we were doing back when I was playing. So, yeah, we're, you know, we're making strides and we're going in the right direction and, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but at least things are in place to put to make it successful and, and for successful for women to be in this space as well and, um, you know, work together and, and help each other and lift each other up and continue to climb the climb the ladder in, in whatever direction, whether it's in Australia or overseas, but those opportunities will be there and we've got the skill set as well to be successful leaders. I agree. I mean, I think, again, there's the, Australia's got a huge pool of talent that doesn't always get recognised or doesn't always get the opportunities that they should. So hopefully programs like this will really allow those opportunities to become more available. The last thing I just want to touch on is how are you finding this whole process now of just starting to wind up and get ready for the for the upcoming season? I suppose it's feeling the corks out of the bottle. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, it was a bit of a feeding frenzy, um, and you know the waiting. I guess the waiting over the what was happening around COVID was the frustrating part, and you know, impatient part as being a coach is like you want to start a start getting on building what your team's going to look like sooner rather than later so you can start to think about the strengths and, and weaknesses and areas that you might, you know, what's your coaching style going to be or what's your um, offensive or defensive style going to be. So, yeah, so now, you know, last uh, last week we signed our 10th player, so have an idea of what the squad is going to look like and, and how we want to play. So, yeah, the fun start part begins where, you know, get to start planning you know, things we're going to do defensively, what we're going to look like offensively, where my, where you know where, where where our strengths are, and how we're going to get shots, you know, for certain players in certain positions. Yeah, so that that's the fun stuff that we love as coaches. 
build in all that and then, you know, how are we going to incorporate build in our culture? Because we've got basically seven new players um, out of the 10. So, yeah, so that's that's kind of the fun stuff and we'll start a WhatsApp group you know, with the official handover taking place with um, between the university and TSC and, yeah, start planning and, you know, even just even the community stuff, how we're going to get out into the community, um, hopefully with the Kings doing things and, and building um, the Sydney Flames and the Sydney Kings brands. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how it's all going to pan out as a fan. Obviously, as you said, we've now signed... 10, so that means there'll be a lot more really exciting announcements coming up over the next few weeks. So yep. we'll probably do one one a week, one or two a week. Just Yeah, I think it's an exciting group and it's a, it's a new looking group. But um, yeah, I think there's lots of potential. Really excited about next season. Fantastic. Thanks very much for your time, Frog, and I'm sure we'll be checking in with you in a few weeks. Sounds good. Always good to chat. Thanks, Paul.